Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Burning out towards one another. It's not enough. I have to have more. All right, we didn't get into the mindset of this, but they are then beginning to defend this because in their heart... Because guilt is a function of your spirit. As a human being, animals don't have spirits. Humans have spirits. This is our connectivity to God. Even if you don't know Christ as your Savior, we, this is all what we're teaching here in Romans chapter 1. So what's happening in this spirit here, we now have this sense of guilt. So we try to suppress this truth. We try to um, ignore the truth. We try to replace the truth. Now we're full-blown into wrong loving in this thing that's happening to us. And so now the only thing we think that'll help us overcome this guilt is to do what we can to militantly um, legislate the freedom to have a homosexual lifestyle, which goes all the way into same-sex marriages and all the rest. And they, you, you see the pretty happy faces of the people that live together and all of a sudden they're sanctioned. It's okay. Yes, for that moment, that Mental guilt is gone, but it doesn't deal with the real guilt that's the spirit guilt because we don't see then later on the unhappiness that comes in that because they're still trying to find a way to overcome this guilt issue that's inside of them. You might be saying, Stan, are you, are you, you're, you're angry at them? No, I'm really not. I'm just letting you know from a biblical point of view why those that are in the homosexual lifestyle, they're struggling with it. They're militant. Sometimes they move into violence because of this to try to maintain this because God has given them over to this depraved passion that's going on. Let's go a little bit further here. It says here, committing indecent acts or indecent deeds and receive in their own persons the due penalty of their heir. All right? Now, there is a question about AIDS. Is this God's judgment on the homosexual community? Is it AIDS? All right, I'm going to answer that, but I have to go a little bit further back than, than that. Uh, first of all, um, AIDS is something that the best we can tell, and the, the latest data that I got this week is that they're pretty certain now that it actually happened in the chimpanzee group in Africa that happened a lot longer ago than they thought that, that has happened, and that it could have happened even before the 1800s. So... The question is, did God unleash AIDS on people that are homosexuals? If that would be the case, then AIDS would have been around from the very first homosexual act of humanity. And I don't know that we can take it that far back. What we can tell you, though, is that AIDS is most, not all, but most um, unleashed upon other people through homosexual acts. Now, today, it's gotten to be so much where that there's so much needles being shared back and forth in the drug culture, etc. And uh, we see all of that. My point being is simply this. While we might attach some of AIDS to when you commit these acts, the statistical potentiality of getting AIDS is higher. We can see that. Well, we do have to see that God is still unleashing His judgment upon people who are in that lifestyle because they brought it on themselves by their own choices so God gave them over to that. And so they are having those kinds of problems. And it goes on and on and on. Now, I know it sounds so horrible that I'm giving you this and it sounds so bleak. So let me just come up for air before I get to my next point. Can a person who's involved in homosexuality ever get out of it? It sounds pretty much like you don't think that you can. 
some of you are having a difficult time even accepting that, that, it, that it's a sin. And so the very first step, if you want to get over this, get beyond this, better yet, have victory, there's a couple of truths I think might help you to know. First of all, you do need to know that homosexuality is a sin. If you will give me just one minute, I'm going to rattle very swiftly through a list of Scripture that, will ide- be, that homosexuality will be identified in Scripture in the context or in the wording of it. So you'll see how many times it is mentioned. So scriptural terms relating to homosexuality. Sodomy, Genesis 19. Wickedness, Genesis 13, 13. Abomination, Leviticus 18, 22. Dishonoring of the body, Romans 1, 24. Degrading passions, Romans 1, 26 and 27. Burning with lust, Romans 1, 27. Unnatural functions, Romans 1, 26, 27. Indecent acts, Romans 1, 27. Depraved, Romans 1, 28. Effeminate by perversion, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Homosexuals, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Immoral men and homosexuals, 1 Timothy 1, 9 and 10. Gross immorality and going after strange flesh. That would mean unnatural flesh, Jude 7. Defiling of the flesh, Jude 8. Verses that strictly forbid homosexuality. There are 17 passages of scripture that I could come up with to substantiate the fact that uh, homosexuality is forbidden in scripture. Genesis 19, verses 4 through 9, Leviticus 18, 22, 20 and 13, Deuteronomy 23, 17 and 18, Judges 19, 22 through 24, 1 Kings 14, 24, 15, 12, 22, 46, 2 Kings 23, 7, Isaiah 3, 9, Lamentations 4, 6, Romans 1, 26 and 27, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10, Ephesians 4, 19, 1 Timothy 1, 10, 2 Peter 2, 6 and Jude 7 at least 17 passages. There are five passages where sexual intercourse is to be restricted to occur between a husband and a wife only, male and female, man and woman, husband and wife, all right, only. Genesis 2.24, Matthew 19.5, Mark 10.7 and 8, 1 Corinthians 6.16, Ephesians 5.31. Now, some of you are saying you went way too fast. Why don't you slow down and do this? Um, We have to get out of here by 1 o'clock because they're going to shut down the street, literally. So I want you to have this. But it is in the manuscript that you can download later on today or tomorrow once they put it up on our website. And that's, again, makeitclear.org or internationalchurch.us. Just go to the uh, sermon section and you can download that. And later on they'll have the audio up there if you want to hear some of this again. Again, back to the solution. You have to own it that's a sin. In other words, what makes the good news so good is when you know the bad news is so bad. You will not run to Christ unless you realize the consequences of the sin. But you need to know something. As much as the Lord will indict humanity for their sin and their wickedness, that God so loved the world that He loves everybody in the world, that whoever you are, homosexual or not, you still have equal access to heaven as someone who has never had an immoral lifestyle at all, that lived the very best that they could, did all sorts of social good deeds, and did all sorts of religious stuff that we're going to be talking about in the weeks to come that still won't qualify them. But God says that there still is redemption for you. So when you sit there and you feel so guilty and you're so bad and so wicked, every one of us is bad. That's why I started the sermon with. You're talking about the, 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 the heathen or the secularists today. Next week, we're going to talk about the rest of us, the moralists that have done a lot of great things. And then we're going to talk about the religionists that makes up even more of the people. When you put all of that together, God says they're still sinners. All have sinned. 
and they still have eternal life. So I don't want you to sit back there to think that God's only picking on those that are homosexuals. God is just trying to wake you up to say, you need a savior. And so he starts out by saying, this is what you need to do. But here's another step. The next step is you need to come to Christ as the forgiver of all of this. That no matter how bad we are, his grace is greater than our worst sins. I want you to know that all the wrath of God that's put upon man, the five different times and ways that wrath is given to man, I want you to know that the ultimate wrath of God that was displayed, that brought about his greatest glory, is right up there on the cross. It's when Jesus Christ went to the cross and all the wrath of God that was to be on mankind, Jesus said, let me get in the way. He stepped in front of all of us and he took the full brunt, the full blast of the wrath of God. So if you're homosexual and you're going to you know, uh, get ticked off at Christianity and ticked off at God, I want you to know that it was Jesus who died on the cross and rose again for you. And that's where the wrath of God was displayed so you could have eternal life no matter what you've ever done wrong. And then if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, for those who know Christ as Savior now, because even though you're saved doesn't mean you still uh, don't wrestle with those problems any longer. What you have now is not a, a life without problems. And I, I trust in Christ and old things pass away, old things become new. That verse is so much taken out of context. All right? It just means now what is new is that you are a new person in Christ. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. You have all this necessary to live a godly Christian life. And so now, whatever temptation you have in the area, since we're talking about homosexuality in context here, but it's everything, I want you to know that he has made a way of escape for you, that you do not have to go that path. You don't have to be sucked down that horrible tunnel into that uh, depraved life. You do not have to do that. If anyone could have victory, you as a Christian can really do that. In addition, I want you to hold your place in Romans 1, but quickly go to Romans 6.14. Because I want you to know that the grace that saved you, and grace is something we don't deserve as a sinner, and the mercy where he doesn't give us what we do deserve, all of that is wrapped up so you not only have eternal life, but that you're kept safe. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not be master over you, and that's spoken to those who trusted Christ. That's why your door out of homosexuality or depraved lifestyle, the door is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the door, all right? I am the way. It goes on to say, verse 14, For sin shall not be master over you who are a believer, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. So God saved you by his grace. Now, what I don't have time today, because I'm not teaching Romans in one day, is that in the months to come, I'm going to get to Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 that deals with sanctification. And he's speaking that same message to those who heard the same message in homosexuality. That as bad as this is, then Romans 3, 4, and 5 deals with salvation is by faith alone through Christ alone. All right. Then he gets into the power so you don't have to live that lifestyle any longer or make an excuse for it. I'm almost out of time. So let's go a little bit further. Back to Romans, if you will, Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> That's beautiful. Let's go a little bit further. Here's number 3. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, number 3, God gave them over to what I call wrong thinking, a depraved mind. So they had dishonored bodies in verse 24. They had degraded passions in verse 26. They have a depraved mind in verse 28. That'll preach right through there for you guys that are going into the ministry. All right? Now verse 29, he said, a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, which now it moves from just the homosexual life. It's going to move to all other lives, styles, and things that we do so that all of us can be indicted by this. So let's go over it quickly. So he says, being filled with all, and then he goes through this list. So let's park on that for a moment. Being filled. The word filled means being so influenced by this. It's almost like being filled with the Spirit. 
So influenced by the Spirit, we are so influenced by unrighteousness and wickedness. Now, when I look, when I look at those two words, while I can parse it out and give you some understanding of unrighteousness and wickedness, I believe it's probably best to look at this passage as seeing unrighteousness and wickedness like one big umbrella over us. And now he delineates what does unrighteousness and wickedness kind of look like. They're a little different, but they're all the same underneath sin. So let's go through this list, all right? I'm going to read it to you in the English, but I urge you to download this message again because I'm out of time because what I've done is I have defined each one of those words and I put it into kind of a a current lifestyle of how that would look like in our life today uh, in the notes. But let's go back here. It says, being filled with all unrighteousness and wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, their gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil. You know, as smart as man is getting today with all of his technology, you would think that with all this technology we'd find a better way to bring world peace. What we've really done is found a better way to destroy man. Did you hear what I'm saying? All right. So again, inventors of evil. Goes on to say, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. So you might be thinking, well, Stan, you're picking on the homosexuals. No, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just trying to teach the truth. And homosexuals is only a part of this message. But the rest of us who aren't homosexuals, we could fit into that list somewhere. If you agree with that, say, "Uh uh-huh. Now you just said, I need Jesus. When you say, "Uh uh-huh, boy, I need you, Lord, because we're all that way. But it ends by saying this in verse 32. And although they know the ordinance of God. Now, again, that's written in their heart. Other verses we're going to see, it's on their conscience. They know that. The ordinance of God, they know it because they can look at creation out there and they put down the knowledge of God. So they know the ordinance of God. And then here's the best of all. It says that those who practice such things are worthy of death. They know that there is a piper to pay. That there's a consequence for sin. That those who practice such things are worthy of death. But they not only do the same, even though they know all of this, but they also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Now, folks, when you hear that, I want you to think again. Biblically, if you remember the Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul, he was Saul. And he was trying to take all the Christians who he thought were anti-God because they were looking to Christ. And he was out there persecuting all of them. And while he was holding their garments, it actually said he heartily approved of what they did. If you look in scripture, you're going to see over and over again the phrase heartily approved or applauded the sin. In other words, while they're doing it, they're applauding. Now, some of you think that is horrible. We do that every year. Do you know when we do that? At the Academy Awards. We're out there, we're applauding our favorite uh, actor or actress or person who wrote whatever script and whatever profanity they want to say on the screen or whatever depraved lifestyle they want to depict or whatever anti-God type of influence that they want to give. And, And we're just watching the Academy Awards and rooting for our favorite film and paying our money to go see that. Now, some of you are saying, well, Stan, you're a legalist now. Now, I'm not telling you don't go to movies. I'm just saying take it to the final end as you're thinking through some of the stuff that you're doing here and what we're and what I'm doing. And how we applaud that kind of stuff. How we agree where our money is going. So in a sense, we could be doing the same thing. But we just forget that we're doing that. So I don't want to put you under the law. But I want us to realize how serious this is. Well, if there's anything you want to leave with today, I want you to go to Romans chapter 5. 
And I want to give you some um, good news. I don't want to leave you like this because some of you are so depressed you'll probably not come back next week. Romans chapter 5. Turn to Romans 5. While you're turning there, I'm going to quote a couple of verses so you don't have to look there. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So whatever you want to call your sin, my sin, we've all done it. Okay, so I'm not against anybody. I'm pro-God. We all have sin. All right? All sin. The Bible says that because we've sinned, all right, all of us have sinned, the penalty for that sin is to be separated from God. The moment I came into this world, I came with a sin nature, that propensity for sin. Even though I had a God consciousness, propensity for sin, I was separated from God when I was born into this world. And when I committed sin, I'm still separated from God. And when I die without trusting Christ, I'll be eternally separated from God, but not to a nice place like Hawaii. I'll be in a real place called hell. So all have sinned. We all have the penalty for sin, which is death. Separation is what it means. And then when we take you to Romans chapter 5, this is the good news. Look at it in Romans 5, verse 6. For while we were still helpless, in some translations, sinning, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone will even dare to die. But God, he proves his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, again, yet sinning, Christ died for us. So in the very act of us doing these things 2,000 years ago, knowing we'd be doing this thing long after he died and rose again, he still died for us. He didn't die for those that lived before he came. He didn't die for those who came. When he came, we were there when he came, he died for everybody. He died for us. Much more than, here's the phrase, having now been justified by his blood. Now look up here for a moment. This passage is looked upon from God's perspective. Romans 4, 5 is man's perspective. I am justified by Jesus' blood. That means nothing more than he died and then he rose again. That's what he did. I'm justified by my faith. When I place my faith in Christ because of his blood that he shared, I now have eternal life. So the wrath of God produced the justification of the blood that Jesus Christ gave for you and me on the cross so that by our faith in him, in him alone, we have everlasting life. Go back to the passage. And then it goes on to say, um, I love it, much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved. In your version, it says, by his life. I like the original version that says, we are saved in his life. Just like Jesus was alive, he died and he rose again, we placed our faith in him. It's as if we died with Christ, we were buried with Christ, and we are now in Christ. So if we go to hell after we trusted Christ, he goes to hell with us, and that won't happen, because now I'm alive and I'm saved in his life, and he will never die. He's the resurrection and the life. Now, how does that happen? Romans 4, 5 says, by trusting in him and him alone. So I beg you that are listening to me today, that no matter how sinful that you now recognize you are, that God loves you as a sinner, that Jesus died and he rose again. And so in this world, we're not supposed to be from this world, maybe isolated from the world. We're not supposed to be involved in this world, but maybe more insulated in this world. And that means that I can't get away from it. I ought not to participate in it. But while I'm here, because I'm in Christ now, I can have an influence in the world today. Let's pray, shall we, with every head bowed and every eye closed. Would you just take a moment and let the Spirit of God do His work in your heart? For those of you who 
are experiencing the Spirit of God, He might very well, for you, be prompting you in the area that, that you have sinned. Now, it's very hard to, to admit that because it's scary when you say you've sinned. You feel dirty and you feel lost. You feel maybe even abandoned. You, you might feel hopeless when you see that you're sinned. And, and in a certain way, that's okay. But I want you to know, God does not leave you there. He offers you the way of escape. And so the Spirit of God is letting you know that, yeah, you have to be righteous to go to heaven, but you'll never be righteous in yourself, that only Jesus is the righteous one. And He will give you His righteousness. So when you stand before God, God sees Christ's righteousness. It's given to you. But now you place your faith in Him so you can receive His righteousness. That's the Spirit of God working in your heart. The Spirit of God is letting you know that Jesus is the Lord who died and rose again. The Spirit of God is reminding you that we're saved by faith and not by works. So would you now in your own way, right where you're seated, place your faith in Christ. Say, thank you, Lord, for dying and rising again. Lord, I I believe you did all of this and you did it for me. and, And no matter what I've done and what I ever will do, I have a home in heaven And more importantly, an eternal relationship with you now and forever. Now, you don't come to him by promising him you'll start this or start that or stop this or stop that. You come to him just as you are as a sinner because he died while you were yet sinning and he rose again. And so would you place your faith in Christ? Scripture says in Romans 4, 5, But to him that works not but believes on him, that justifies the ungodly. By his blood and by your faith. To you it's accounted for righteousness. God makes you righteous in front of his eyes. Would you trust him right now? Now if you're doing that, I'd love to pray for you. Now walking an aisle, standing up, filling out a card, me praying for you, does absolutely nothing to get you into heaven. It just lets us know that today was the day you you made that decision and we're excited for you. So I hope you'd check off your card, put your name in there, and let us know that today you trusted Christ. But for right now, I'd like to pray for you. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Now, raising your hand won't get you to heaven, of course, but I would like to know if you've trusted Christ in here today. You called upon the name of the Lord to be your Savior. You obeyed the Lord when He said, He that believes on me has everlasting life. You're believing on Him right now because He wants you to. And now you'd like me to know that. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If you'd like me to pray for you, and I won't embarrass you, I won't mention your name, but I'd like to know if you're trusting Christ today. Never done it before, you did it today. Would you slip up your hand real high? Is there anyone at all? Put it up, put it down. Christians, this is uh, the word that God has given to all those who, again, are out there in this world. And I pray that each one of us, as we encounter these folks, that we realize that we still are sinners in our own heart. Yes, we're redeemed sinners, but that we would take that precious message of redemption to them, that precious message of the gospel, and share that with them, that we don't isolate ourselves from the world, try to live in a monastery and only hang around Christians, but wherever we go, this afternoon or tomorrow, when there's un save people that's potentially around us, that we remember that we're not just to be with the holy huddle, but to do what we can to reach out to those who don't know Christ. I pray that we'll live the life as well as to speak about the life, Jesus Christ. 
Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for the myriads of people who have been turned over to wrong living and wrong loving and wrong thinking. And then came to a point where they realized how empty and futile and lost, no matter how hard they tried to put it down or ignore it or reject it or even replace it, there was still this feeling of lostness and how they've experienced the results in their own minds and hearts and loves and relationships. And then they would come to faith in you, Lord, and they're today living a life based on your victory. So, Lord, I thank you for them and how they are totally free. They've been designed for this, Lord. Bless them greatly for this. Help them to help many be turned to righteousness for it. Father, I love these dear people here. Grant them your truth, your love, and the victory that's found only in Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh, 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 oh,